I wonder how many of you this morning would describe yourselves as impatient. Now, if you're not sure, I put together a little quiz, a little diagnostic quiz for you to know whether you're patient or not, impatient or not. First, uh, when you put food in the microwave, do you wait for the timer to completely count down and beep? Or do you stop it and take the food out? If you do, you, you might be an impatient person. When you listen to podcasts, YouTube talks, or sermons, do you listen at regular speed? <laughs> or have you found that button double speed, playback speed? Okay, if so, you, you might be an impatient person. Now, if you have a friend who is maybe a particularly slow talker, sometimes can't find the right words. Do you ever find yourself finishing their... All right, whoever said that, you're an impatient person. <clears throat> Do you ever listen to a sermon and think, when is this thing going to end? <laughs> or maybe, last, lastly, have you had one of those chocolate advent calendars? Do the chocolates make it to the end of Advent, or by day six are all the chocolates gone? Well, speaking of Advent, as you've already heard, uh, Advent is a season of expectation, of anticipation, but it is a season of waiting. We have a whole season where we are encouraged to embrace and acknowledge the waiting in our lives, and as Followers of Christ, our waiting at Advent is dual in nature. We, in many ways, we relive the story of, God's, of, of the people of God who waited in darkness for 400 years for the Messiah to come. And we imagine what would that have been like with holding on to these promises, but also, we also, as followers of Christ, await his return a day when he will come and make all things new, when he will restore his kingdom in fullness of, of justice and peace and righteousness and shalom will be restored everywhere, including the Middle East. We long for that day and we wait patiently for that day. We are in a series that we're starting today calling, we, we've called it Prepare Him Room. And of course, this is taken from that beautiful Christmas carol, Joy to the World, where we sing, let every heart prepare him room. And this morning, we're going to explore how we prepare by waiting for the Lord. Waiting heightens our anticipation. It deepens our awareness and our need for God. Waiting is not really passive, but it becomes a time of preparation. Now, I was thinking about uh, this waiting and, pre and preparing, how those go together, and I thought of a time when my wife Brandy and I first moved to Vancouver. We got this tiny but cozy apartment in Marpole, and every Monday night, we would host a group of young adults who come. Now, I never had classes on Monday. My wife Brandy did, and so as I awaited for the guests to come, 
I prepared the apartment. I did a quick clean. I, I vacuumed the apartment. I cleaned the bathroom. How many of you know the best way to keep your place tidy is have people over? You, just, you, you make sure it's tidy. Friends, I think on one Monday, I even dusted. <laughs> the next week, I realized the dust came back, and I thought, I'm never doing that again. It was tricked. <laughs> waiting and preparing go together. Our waiting is not passive, but it's a way of preparing our lives for Christ to come in and meet us again. But let's just acknowledge that waiting is difficult. Waiting is frustrating. Waiting feels like a waste of time. Waiting reminds us that we are not in control. Now, you wait for a red light, you wait for a bus that does not come, you wait for your doctor in a waiting room. You know how that goes. You, you rush to get to your medical appointment and you feel stressed, am I gonna make it there on time? And you fight traffic to get there and you finally arrive and the person at reception says what? The doctor's not ready to see you yet. Why don't you sit in the waiting room? And 15 or 20 or 25 minutes go by. And just once, I've never done this, but just once I've wanted to try this, that when the doctor comes out, I've wanted to say, I'm not quite ready to see you just yet. Why don't you take a seat? There's a magazine over here. Wait, waiting is, is frustrating. It's painful. Now, it's one thing to wait at a restaurant for a table. That can be annoying. But what about waiting for the big things in life? Have you ever felt that you've been in a, the waiting room of life? Have you ever waited for someone to change? Have you waited for that special someone in your life? You've waited You've longed for it, you've prayed about it, and the waiting is stretching way beyond your limits. Have you waited for your kids to grow up and launch? Perhaps you're waiting for retirement, graduation. You've been waiting to start a family. Maybe you're waiting for that breakthrough in your career. You feel stuck in it and you're waiting for that, that promotion, that new position. I recently bumped into an old friend and caught up for a few moments and asked him how he was doing. And he said, not that well. He said, my son has just completely lost his way. And even as he said that, I could sense the pain of him longing and waiting, something he cannot control, longing and waiting for his son to return, to, to find his way, to, to find the Lord, to find his way back to the Lord. Some of you here today are waiting for relief. You're waiting for clarity. You're waiting for a miracle. You're waiting for healing in your body, your mind, a relationship. So on this first Sunday of Advent, 
Let me ask you, what are you waiting for? Perhaps some of you might say, I'm waiting for the Lord. All of these other waitings in some ways point to my deepest waiting, which is for the Lord. What is it that you wait for this morning? Well, you may be comforted to know that our waiting is not alone. We are not alone in our waiting. In fact, as we turn our attention to the story of Advent, do you know what we find in the opening pages of Luke? Everyone is waiting. Now think about this. The gospel of Jesus Christ, God becoming flesh, this is big news. Press conferences, fireworks, drama, that would be appropriate, would it not? And as we turn our attention to the story of Advent, everyone is waiting. Zechariah, Elizabeth, they're waiting. We meet someone named Simeon, and here's what it says about him. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. We meet a prophetess named Anna. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. And of course, who else do we meet? We meet Joseph and Mary, who are waiting for this child who has been promised. What a poignant picture of waiting. A couple waiting for the arrival of a child. The gospel writer Luke puts it this way. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Elizabeth, Zechariah, Simeon, Anna, Joseph, and Mary are representative because all of Israel waits. In fact, you could argue that the Bible is a story of people who wait for the Lord. God's plan of salvation in many ways gets going with, a, with Abraham and Sarah, a person to whom he says, I'm going to bless the world through you and your descendants. And Abraham and Sarah wait 25 years until their child is born. And Joseph, who has a prominent role in, in the world events in that moment, he's going to be in a position very important and he sits in a prison and waits for 13 years. And the people of God, 
are in Egypt enslaved for 400 years as they wait their freedom. And Moses is prepared for over 40 years before he's ready to lead the people. And once he does lead the people, they wander in the desert. Another period of waiting, 40 years. Waiting is, is everywhere. The French mystic Simone Weil put it this way. Waiting patiently in expectation is the foundation of the spiritual life. In our waiting, we are not alone. Waiting isn't the exception, it's the norm. Maybe waiting doesn't mean something is wrong with us, but that waiting is to be embraced because God is doing something. He is preparing us in a unique way. Not to put too fine a point on this waiting, but there is another one in the scriptures who waits. Did you know that God waits? Tertullian, who was a third century father in the church, said, the whole story of salvation shows God's patience. Nowhere is it more seen, he said, than in the incarnation. Because the Christmas story, the Advent story, starts how? God comes to earth in the womb of Mary. He comes as an embryo and waits for nine months. Think about that, the patience of God in unfolding his plan. When Jesus is born, he spends 30 years before he begins his public ministry. He waits on the cross. He waits in the tomb. God is one who waits. And finally, after all of that is finished, Jesus is resurrected. The disciples say, okay, now is it time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now? And what does Jesus say? Wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Respected author Lewis Smedes puts it this way, waiting is our destiny. As creatures who cannot by themselves bring about what they hope for, we wait in the darkness for a flame that we cannot light. We wait in fear for a happy ending that we cannot write. If waiting is not the exception, if God is at work in our waiting, how do we be people who wait well? Well, I want to suggest for a moment that we pay attention to our image of waiting. When I think of waiting, I do think of sitting in a waiting room. When you're sitting in a waiting room, you are somewhat just focused on the end of your waiting, the goal, the reason why you're there, and, and the waiting feels like an interruption. That's why we pull out our phones and we scroll or we pick up magazines. Sometimes when we, we, we wait, we think, I just need to distract myself. But that, that's not the biblical vision or a helpful vision of what it means to wait. Let me replace that image for a moment and consider the waiting of a gardener who takes a seed and carefully plants it in the ground. And then the gardener, she covers that seed in the black soil and waits. 
but her waiting is filled with expectation and hope. Her waiting is an act of trust because she believes that that seed in the ground, that, that more is happening than she can see. And she watches and waits. She must not become impatient and dig up the seed every day to see what's happening. But she plants that seed and waits with hope and anticipation and expectation, knowing that something good is about to happen. Friends, I wonder if we began to see our waiting in that type of image, that what is in the soil of your life, and on the surface, you don't see anything happening, you're getting frustrated, you don't see results, you don't see change. But how might we be encouraged to wait like the gardener, to watch with expectation that one day, a little shoot is gonna shoot out from that ground, and we attend to it, we watch it, and we wait patiently. Perhaps our model in waiting in this story is Mary. Why? Because Mary has received the seed of the Holy Spirit within her. And it's in the darkness of the womb where everything happens. It's in the darkness of the womb that, that life happens, that the mysterious and beautiful life emerges. It's in the darkness of the womb that you got your start and I got mine. It's in the darkness of the womb that amazing things are happening that we can't always see or understand or control. Mary has received this seed of the Holy Spirit within her, and she believes and trusts that more is happening than she can see. Now, Mary's waiting and trust is not blind. She has been told certain things. First, Mary, do not fear. Mary, the Lord is with you, and the Lord's favor rests upon you. And that enables her to trust and to wait with hope. The very life of God is inside her growing. And one day she will see that come to fruition in a beautiful and tangible way. And so it is for us. Did you know that you have received the seed of the Holy Spirit in you? That God is at work in you in ways you may not understand or see or even appreciate. But the seed of the Holy Spirit is the life of Christ in you, which is growing and transforming and developing in you. And our job is to wait with, with trust and with hope and with expectation. We watch for the signs of God's kingdom to shoot out from the soil, as it were. We, we watch in our workplace and in our families and in our church and in the Middle East. We watch for signs of God's kingdom. And we pray, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth and in me as it is in heaven. This is a little more helpful picture of what it means 
to wait for the Lord. Instead of asking, God, get me out of this situation, we ask, God, what might you be growing in me in the darkness? What are you teaching me? What are you showing me? Many years ago, I was uh, serving at another church. It was my first pastorate, my first job outside of graduate school. And I had spent a long time preparing. I'd spent a lot of money preparing. And I thought that this was my time now to shine. I had been in the cocoon of formation, and now I was that butterfly ready to take flight. And I entered that role with great ambition and optimism, probably unrealistic expectations and naivete. But I thought I had some gifts that I could share with this church community that would help. And during my time there, I met amazing people, many of them to whom I consider friends to this day. But those first few months and years were deeply frustrating. When I came, I didn't have a job description. And all my efforts to try to get a job description, to try to get clarity, what, what is it that you've hired me to do? Why am I here? What's, what's my focus? Went nowhere. And I, I waited for clarity. I remember thinking, I have these gifts and passions which I'd like to share. And I remember the response that I got was, that's great but we don't really need those here. Instead, we'd like you to serve over here in these areas, which had significantly less excitement for me. And I went, uh-oh, what, what, Lord, what are, what are you doing here? And there were things about the culture of the church that frustrated me. You ever worked in a place where you scratch your head and you say, why do they do things that way? There's a better way. And weeks turned into months, and months turned into years. And I remember leaving a, a grad school where we would sit in the atrium with students and professors and have these amazingly like, stimulating conversations about God's work in the world. And I remember in my new context, people weren't interested in that. The only question I got was, who's going to organize the potluck next Sunday? Why is there a stain on the carpet, the Jones Memorial carpet? Do you know anything about that? And I just felt so deflated. And I felt like I was waiting for clarity. I was waiting for some type of encouragement. I was waiting for God. God, where are you here? Where, what are you saying? What are you doing? I, I, don't, I don't see you. I don't feel you. I don't hear you. And, and one day, in probably a, a moment of desperation, I went to see one of my old professors who had been a pastor, was wise, and he, he listened to me. And he said, Jade, I, I hear that you feel like the, the time of practice is done and you're on the main stage now. But what if, what if you were to see this time as a laboratory? You're trying things. You're experimenting with things. You're, you're discovering how God has wired you. You're, you're trying preaching and community development and you're trying pastoral care and administration. You're trying these things and, you're, and God is helping you to see how he's wired you. 
What if, Jade, what if this is a time of formation for you? And I remember instantly in that moment thinking, no, I'm done with the formation stuff. I've done that. I knew that was ridiculous even to say, but that's what I thought. I'm the butterfly. I'm ready to take flight here. And very gently took me back to this place of, what if you're being formed? And with humility, you ask the Lord, what what am I to learn here? What are you teaching me? What are you growing in me in this place of formation, in this time of waiting. I went back to my church and nothing changed externally, but everything changed internally. I began to see the people that God had entrusted to me and my call was to love people right in that place, to stay humble, to be open, to realize I was still in a place of formation. Are we Are we ever out of a place of formation? And that in the darkness, when things didn't make sense, that God was doing something in me, that God was growing me in certain ways, and that I could wait, I could be patient, I could trust that God was at work right there in the darkness. So friends, as we conclude, could it be that in your place of waiting, that God is at work. That as you wait, you remember the promises of God given to you, given to Mary and given to you. Do not fear. As you wait, do not fear because I am with you. In your waiting, remember my favor is upon you. Friends, in your waiting, remember that more is happening than you can see. In your waiting, remember that it's in the darkness that God does beautiful and special and wonderful things. In your waiting this Advent, pray. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, into my waiting in a new and a fresh way. I trust you. Let's pray together. living God, give us faith and trust to see what we cannot see, to believe what what is happening in the, the depths of that soil, that you are at work, that you are active, Give us faith to to believe and to trust. I pray that you would remind us of those powerful promises that you are with us in the darkness, that your favor rests upon us. Would you help us to wait well so that we can receive you with joy? We pray this in Christ's name, amen.